the music that I grew up um, listening to was basically Latin music because of my parents. I was basically grown in Juarez, Mexico. And I grew up there listening to a lot of uh, Spanish rock. And and then my friends on school, they introduced me to British rock. That basically it's Arctic Monkeys, Tim Impala, Coldplay. For me, yeah, it, it's always been the Beatles, like the, like the first part in my musical interest. When I got into like, into high school, I started listening to more to other things. Well, I was very interested in classic rock because my sister used to date this guy that was a drummer, and uh, he would always be like, "Hey, you gotta listen to Pink Floyd, to Led Zeppelin." And I got really into those bands, so, and uh, then I started getting getting more into like indie indie rock and and all those kind of like genres. And lately, I've been listening a lot to Motown and like all like the Saul era. Mm, yeah. Like, Marvin Gaye and all that stuff, Good and I've been stuff. trying to, yeah, really, yeah, and I've been trying to get like my ear open to more like genres and because you know it's always it's always good to discover new songs or new like know that you're interested in one of those new genres. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, lately, like these days, I've been listening to Motown like all I can. Well, Motown is fantastic. My mom was really into it when I was a kid. Really, I, I like to go thrift shopping a lot. Okay. And I found like this box set with just like Motown hits, and I I just fell in love with it. That's awesome! I love how that's how you found Motown music. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just the best. This is Musicians Can Thrive, a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry. Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents. Everyone across all niches, welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. This episode is the second part of my interview with the band Strange Cadets. Today we're talking with Ricardo Solis and Jose Ramirez, but Jose goes by Pepe, so if you hear me talk to Pepe in this interview, that's who I'm referring to. And for those of you who missed the first part of this episode, you don't need to go listen to it now, but I would encourage you to just add that episode to your queue, let's say. Strange Cadets is an indie rock band that was originally based in El Paso, but they have recently moved to Austin, Texas, and I'm thrilled to have them here. I think it's a really interesting moment in a band or artist's career when they decide to make a shift to move to an entirely different city because of music. In most cases, you don't actually need to move to a, quote, music city. But for Strange Cadets, it does make a big difference. And so later on in this interview, you will get to hear a little bit more about why El Paso was not a great place to be in. We have a unique situation here because Ricardo and Pepe, you guys grew up together and ended up starting a band together so how did you both 
start playing music? What what brought you from just listening and enjoying it to be like, okay, so I want to make this now? Yeah. So basically my father, it was the one that introduced me to music because since I was little, well, he's a musician, right? So since I was little, I used to go to his rehearsals with his band, uh, Spanish rock, obviously. And I remember I used to even sleep at the rehearsal, rehearsals, you know? I, wow. I, uh, like, yeah, like I was so into it that I guess it was born in me, you know? And um, my father, after a while, he, he saw that I was like really interested on it, I guess. And he bought me a guitar, a, an electric guitar, actually. So uh, he told me, if you learn a song, I'll bring you upstage with the band and everything. And I, I was like, okay, cool. So I learned a song like within like three months or probably a little bit more. And he did put me on stage with him. And ever since then, I, I was like, well, this is so cool. I, I want to do this forever, you know? So ever since then, I originally played guitar. I, I didn't sing at all. So when I first touched the guitar, I spent like probably probably like four years rehearsing and rehearsing and just at the point that I was like, I don't want to sound cocky, but like I was not learning anything anymore. So I was just like, what, what else is there to do? You know? So mm-hmm. I started singing and when I, when I started singing, it was horrible, like <laughs> horrible. Like you wouldn't imagine. You've got a great voice now. So how did that work? I, I, I guess just, I didn't believe on this, but I guess just practice, you know, or, or mm-hmm. just like find your, your, your voice within, within time. I, I remember when I first started, I was like emulating all these artists like Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. And I was like, this is not my voice, you know, like you don't expect the 14 year old to sound like Dave Grohl, you know? Um, but yeah, after a while, I, I got into more pop music and more melodic things. And I started, I guess, just getting more into like Coldplay, these British bands that, that were more melodic in a way. And after a while, when I went to high school, I met Pepe. And by, I don't know, I don't know if it was by accident, but he did told me that oh i also play music and i was like oh well what do you play he's like oh guitar and piano i was like oh shit let's do a band you know so i remember that after school every day we went to his house to play whatever we feel like you know so it was a really cool time because we found that we both together have a connection and even though we don't have the same music influences i mean we do have the same music influences but we have our differences you know like everybody but it's weird because we found like a really good connection between the both of us. And then from there, we just decided to step it up and make a band, you know, a covers band, obviously, because when you're 15 year old, what are you going to talk about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we started like that, um, doing some covers, playing at certain parties and stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, it gets boring. You know, we met this producer that, actually wanted to do us like a duo band and it was horrible it was horrible because he thought that we we were like on a on a on a professional level already but we we were just like what what the fuck are we doing you know so <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it, it was just from there uh that that we we both made made that connection and well after a while we 
we we stopped playing for a while i remember like for two years and then we we get we got back together and we were like well th- let's do this now for reals you know and mm-hmm. that's when strange cadets came up uh we met our ex-producer he he did help us record our first single but it was just pep and me you know mm-hmm. i believe it was far from here i think so and it didn't sound like we wanted it to sound you know since the beginning of times our dream is to have a band you know it, it was never about two guys or one guy yeah. taking the spotlight so mm-hmm. yeah he he made the the single for us and we weren't just like convinced about it so we decided to tell him obviously he wasn't happy about it we were like you know what we need a band because this is not gonna work this doesn't sound like the sound we want to make so he, I mean, he got pissed, obviously, because he made all this work for us. And uh, he was like, well, yeah, you guys need to find a band. So you, so you need to find a band if you, need, if you want a band. And, and we were like, well, yeah. Well, then we met uh, Haas by a very close friend of us that, he, that she introduced it to us. And then um, after a while, we met Alan, who is actually, what, what is it? What is it called, Pepe? The... Well, it's a family member from the ex-producer that, that yeah, so case, you know. He he was, uh, they're, they're family members, but I don't know how close they are. I think they're cousins of some sort. Yeah, something like that. Uncle. He calls them uncle, so that's, <laughs> that's what we think they are. Yeah, we'll call so, it that for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll call it his uncle, yeah. Yeah, so we finally, we finally got a hold of Alan and everything, and we had to remake Far From Here with the whole band you know so so that that original single that was recorded before it was just thrown into the trash and we we made far from here and and we actually loved it and actually the producer loved it too he was like oh yeah that was a good call you know because it sounds awesome that's fantastic So Pepe, how did you get to be a guitar and piano player? Okay, so my story is not that cool. My sister got into piano lessons when she was in, in, in elementary school, and my dad bought her a, an electric piano. And uh, she wouldn't use it at all. I mean, she wouldn't. I think she did really bad in that class. But uh, I remember I was just curious about it, and then I just like I found out. I mean, that you could 
look look up songs in YouTube, and YouTube was like brand new, like in those days. And uh, I, I remember at first I learned like my first song because my I was first into piano, and then uh, I don't know like that that was just like the spark of it all because like then I was just interested in like what else can I do as Rick said, and then uh, my dad took me to a guitar store that's not here any longer here in El Paso. And I remember I just picked my my first guitar, and then I, uh, it was just from there. I mean, I started learning songs, and I was never into guitar lessons. I don't know why I could never do well in those classes. I was I, I didn't like going to those kind of things, but like I learned by myself, you know, because I was I wanted to play what I like, what I wanted to, not what they were telling me to. And uh, I remember that I, I was walking with my mom one day, and then I saw like this. Uh, this song book by the Beatles and how to play them on, on guitar. And then I remember my mom bought me that for me. And I, I remember I learned all the songs from that book and that's pretty much how it started. And then uh, uh, like, like I said before, I was too much in the Beatles and then I, I, I saw their documentaries and like their interviews and everything. And I was just like, I want to be like, like those guys, you know, or even better. I mean, that, that was like my whole dream. Well, that's when uh, I was always interested in a band, and I had like my—I remember I had this friend in like where I used to live in in Juarez, and uh, we would always like get together because his his brother had a band, and we would always like play around, and we would listen to them play, and it was just like, oh, this that's so cool, you know? <laughs> and we just like he would borrow his brother's guitar, and we we would just play by ourselves, and I mean, it really got nowhere, but uh, I, I learned that I—that's I, what I needed to do, you know, like play guitar with my friends and. Well, that's when I met Rick, and uh, we also had this other friend of ours, which uh, he told us, like, hey, you guys want to do this band? And we did the covers band, and, like, it, it, it worked out, but in a way, because me and Rick knew that, I mean, we found out that, like, out of all the band, it was me and him, the one that had, like, the spark, you know? Mm. Yeah, and, that's important. Yeah, and it's just weird, like, you get, you, you have this gut feeling that you got to keep it going, you know? Yeah. And, and as Rick said, we had this producer that, he thought that we were professional and we we're just kids. And I remember like, I, I, I would be in class, like in the middle of class in high school and the guy would call me and he would get mad because I wouldn't answer. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in school, you know? <laughs> I gotta I'm take classes. Trying to learn here. It, 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 it really pissed off. And he was like, why don't you answer me? I need you to answer me. You know, just yeah. like, he took out all the fun that was there to be. Mm. And yeah. I, I, guess, I guess that for me was like a breaking point that, that I was realizing, like, is this, like, the professional musician life? But at the end, no, he was just a fucking prick, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would always make fun of him. Like, yeah. Like the people to- that you work with do make a difference. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I mean, oh, yeah. We, we've been so grateful, I mean, because we, I think we've been, like, getting to know, like, the, the right people. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's different when the people you you work with it, they also believe in your music, you know. And they, it's always about, it's yeah. always about gut feelings. I mean, because like when we first recorded the the first version of Far From Here, I mean, we had this gut feeling that was just not right. I mean, and we were still like looking for a band, but we I remember we talked about about releasing it, and we were just like, no, this is not right. I mean, it sounds good, but it's just not the way we want it to. And it's just weird how that gut feeling took us to where we are right now with. Class and Allen, which is, I think, the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. I would agree. <laughs> Just because I love the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So how did you guys get from doing covers in high school to realizing that you wanted to build a life around having a band and playing music as often as you could? Mm. I, guess, I guess just like seeing the our favorite bands starting like we do, you know? Yeah. And, oh, well, you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, man. Well, I think it's just... Uh, we knew that we had potential to do more, you know? Because, I mean, covers, they're good. I mean, you, it's like a good stepping stone for you to start. And uh, I think we got, like, really tired of them, like, so quick, which I think, like, we were ready to take, like, the next step. And, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how we started doing, like, original songs. I mean, we're, we were just done with covers. So watching documentaries and learning about bands that you looked up to making their own careers in music, is that basically what gave you the sort of model to be like okay this is something i can actually yeah. do with my own life i think it's it's also like part of hope you know like it, it was a part of it, it I, I wouldn't say it was like the whole the whole reason that it got us into making original music i think it's also a certain i, I don't know how to explain it but like my inner consciousness it's like like or, said, like intuition yeah intuition like like you need to do more than this hmm. you know what i'm talking about so yeah. we started working our asses off basically i remember when we first started the band we used to rehearse monday through thursday probably for about five hours and that was basically how we recorded the first ep just by working our asses off um, Monday through Thursday. And then, uh, and obviously on the weekends, we used to get together still and drink and stuff because we were normal people, you know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was basically it. I, I would say also my dad, it's, it's a, it's a big part of it. Cause he, he was also very supportive with me. He, every time I needed help financially, I, I don't want to say he was there to to put all the money, but he was there to, like, like put some part of it, you know. Yeah. And and I obviously worked my ass off to put the other part, you know. But I guess that's also a big part of it. And throughout the years, I managed to get all this equipment, like let's say speakers, microphones, whatever, guitars just because I knew that this was going to happen in the future. Mm. And, and that's basically what we're doing right now. Right now we're buying everything we need to record ourselves. Wow. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Just because we know that this is going to be something that we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. Was there ever a time where you thought maybe you didn't want to do music? Oh, yeah. Or you couldn't? That's all the time. So cool. I, all think the time. We, I think we like we both had like our our period where we like we were we weren't sure what to do because I mean we we got into college. I mean because the covers band was during high school, right? And uh, mm -hmm. so when we graduated, I mean I think it was like an individual point of view, which where we both. I was trying to find my way, you know. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure like what to study, like what to do, and I, music was always there. I mean, music was was like never left my my options and uh even like college didn't work out for me because 
that was just not the thing for me, you know? I think it was like our, our own battles for us to find like our path to music back again. And I think that's that was good because now we're focused on this path, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that also right now, it comes to a point where you don't find the right path. And it's really easy for you to think about, is this really worth it? You know, but it's it's obviously at the end of the day that that it's like, what am I talking about? It is worth it. And it always happens with me when I'm trying to write music, when I'm just like with the writer's block. It feels like like you're not doing the right thing, you know, but hey, like I remind myself like if this was easy, everyone would do it. So it's been it's been a little rough. You might see us laughing and joking all the time, but when we're working, it's a different story. I uh, I remember when we were recording the the first EP that I used to be really stressed about it. Even though it was our first EP, I, I was just trying to be as perfectionist as, as I could because I don't want just to release a shitty material, you know? Yeah. So I had in a way to mold the guys to be as I don't I don't want to say as perfect as they can, but to their potential. And I and I guess right now we are working as a group to get that together now. Sometimes I'm feeling down and Haas comes up to me or Alan comes up to me. He's like, Hey, what's going on? You can do better than this. Or or like let's say I I, I write a melody. And they're like, no, it can be better than that. I'm really grateful because I have that kind of support that it's not just like a like an anarchy that you you guys are gonna play what I sing. Uh-huh. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And that's the main point that I I always wanted to make a band because it's not only about you, it's also about the other people and the people that work with you around you. So every time we have someone around working with us their feedback counts to us like one of the band members because at the end of the day that people it's it's the one that believes also in your music and and they they have all the right to tell you you know what i don't like it or you know what this could this could sound better if you do this and it's always encouraging to hear like bad feedback because i mean that it just makes us feel like oh we have to do better and better and better and i think we build trusts on each other and i think that was that's like the most important thing you can have. Trust so that I can tell Alan or, or Haz or Rick, like, hey, I don't like what you're doing, but I mean, in a good way. And you, because I know, I know their potential. We all know our potentials. And I think it's just awesome and great for us to have like this kind of trust with each other. Because it doesn't make, it make us mad. Because, for example, if, if Rick or Haz or Alan tells me like, hey, I mean, I know you can do better. I mean, I don't take that. I don't take that wrong ever. And I, I actually like it because I, I'm always like, okay, I want to do the best that I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's something to be said also for having people that you can trust and work with and sort of split up the pressure with because in a band, there are more people to split up the money that you make with and that makes it hard. But I think just in my own experience as a solo artist, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all the different pieces that you have to think about as you make music and promote it and get shows and make money. Yeah. 
And I can see how having a band would help split all those things up. Yeah, there's a lot of responsibility yeah. if you're a solo artist. Did you ever consider like signing a band, Gabriel? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I had a band for a couple of weeks in high school, but um, unfortunately, I was dating a guy at the time that didn't like one of the guys that was in my band. And oh, really? I, yeah, I made the dumb decision of choosing the boyfriend over the band. That happened. <laughs> if I could yeah. go back and redo that. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do you get into music, Gabriel? Oh, man. Honestly, I can't tell you. Like, just one day, I think I was eight years old, I got this need, like this urgent need from somewhere. And it was like, I have to play guitar. So I grew up in this small town in Montana, and I just kept asking my mom and asking and asking until finally she took me down to, like, the one music store on our main street and found the guitar teacher there and was like, hey... <laughs> Please teach my daughter so she'll stop bugging me about this guitar thing. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I mean, we all have our we all have our stories, right? Oh yeah. Honestly, I think that's one of the favorite things that I've uncovered as part of doing this podcast because there's so many different ways to make money. There's so many different ways to make music and share it with people. And so all the different ways that we find our way into that or find our path. It's weird, but awesome, like, at the same time. Absolutely. How everyone, like, find, finds their own path and their own, like, way to get there, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no re- there's not, like, a rule book, that, like, rules that you have to follow. You have to follow, like, your intuition. Like, like it's going to sound cheesy, but you have to follow your heart, you know? <laughs> it's slightly cheesy, but it's also very true. Because yeah. if you're not 100% in it, then you're not going to be able to push through the next challenge that gets thrown your way. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we, we get, um, we get a little mislead because we're not giving our hundred percent. You know what I'm trying to say? Sometimes when we're in the studio, we have the mistake. Well, we did have the mistake for being everyone around. Like you said, like we need to be giving also a hundred percent of our, no matter what. That applies to to everything, and and even now, if if you're a musician, it, it doesn't even apply to music. You also have to surround yourself with the right style of life. I feel like to be creating the thing that you want to create. So, for example, when when I started writing, I uh, literally before that I changed my life completely, and I think that was that was one of the parts that helped me achieve my goal you know and i'm still trying to work on on myself but so when you say that you need to have yeah the kind of life that supports what you're trying to do what does yeah. that look like for you i think it's just like now a personal decision because for me it was just i used to be really negative i used to be really lazy and I managed to get rid of that and I'm I'm telling you an example like in the mornings I would go run I would start eating breakfast <laughs> like as dumb as it sounds I would start treating people nicer and that that helped me to build a a morale in a way that I guess it's just like self trust or being more 
I, I don't know how to explain you that confident, confident about your creations. Because if you're not confident, it's not going to lead you anywhere. I guess you, you need to have that self-trust in what you make to make it worth it. Absolutely. I think what I hear you saying is being able to have habits that yeah. support your creation process, help yeah. you do it better. Yeah, of course. yeah exactly. I definitely resonate with that. The day I learned that running helped me be a better singer was the day that I really actually started working out consistently. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, because it's so easy to be like, oh, I want to look like this. Or, you know, for girls, it's like the summer bikini body. And at some point, just my motivation for that just yeah. plummets. And I'm like, eh, screw it. Yeah, it's, it's but if so it's easy. about singing, then okay, I want to have strong lungs. So let's let's work on that. I actually didn't know that. I mean, Ronnie makes a good singer. I didn't know about that. I didn't know either until I was trying to work with, um, so about three years ago, my voice like started changing, basically went to a lower register than I'd ever had before. And I was trying to figure out how the hell to use it. And I was kind of taking some voice lessons at the time and my abs and my lungs would always hurt afterwards. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's get these stronger. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We've made it about halfway through the show, and we're going to have a quick pause. Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories. And it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. This little tangent that we've gotten on has actually really piqued my curiosity. So if you don't mind continuing with me for a minute, I'm curious about what kind of habits you have for music in terms of like, how do you approach writing lyrics or melodies or even learning how to perform and put on a show? What are some of the ways that you guys have learned to push yourselves as you get better and start building an audience around strange cadets. Right. So. For me, I think it's very, I have this very weird thing when I'm at my house. Cause I, I got this weird thing where like, I can't have like people around me listening to what I play, you know, unless it's like the band. Because then, like, I'll just, like, soon out and, like, I won't even concentrate on what I'm doing. Because, like, well, right now I live with my parents and uh, I wait for them to sleep or, like, for them to, like, go to their bedrooms and everything. And that just I just come downstairs and that's when I find inspiration. And uh, when, when, when we're together as a band, I mean, it's just, like, something else. I mean, I just feel like we put ourselves in the place that we need to. And uh, we just worked really good together as a team and uh 
when we put shows together, it's just uh, our first show that we did uh, in, in August, like our first one, the, the one that we made. It was just all about trusting ourselves and just being confident and just working our asses off, getting like the right things and getting everything right, everything perfect and making making the show an experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was really hard and uh, it was a really hard task for us. But we made it and uh, I think that's where like boost our confidence that, you know, we can do this more often. We have the capability of doing it better and better each time. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that I find now really like a wall for me to write music right now for me, it's like social media. When, when you go into, into your phone and, and you look at what's happening around, it's, it's like a, for me, it's a really bad distraction. So in a way for me to, to get in, in, in the move or like in the vibe to write music is just isolating myself, isolating myself and try to write as much as I can listen to other music out there right now i've been listening a lot to again to spanish indie rock and i guess my daily routine is is just trying to prepare for that moment in the day that i need to write it's not like i'm i'm gonna wake up and all of a sudden i'm gonna have a song on my head i wish it was like that but (laughs) unfortunately it's not like that It, it usually comes when I'm about to sleep, but that sucks. But you do what you got to do to liberate your mind um, to make what you want to do. For example, my inspiration usually these days of quarantine and, and I guess social distancing, it comes like at 2 a.m. in the morning for some reason. I'm about to fall asleep and, and all of a sudden like this spark goes out and I, I need to wake up myself and I need to work on it. Because if not, it's not gonna it's not gonna come back, and I guess it's pretty interesting because right now it's a weird time to be thinking about writing music when you have every everything that's going around or everything this like this mess to say that right now I can't even go run outside because now they say that you can't even like breathe the air because it's contaminated, you know? Really? Yeah. They they said like someone said that on the news that they found particles of the virus on the air, something like that. So people now are, they're running with masks and I'm like, how, how the hell did they do that? Oh God. Yeah. And, and aside that it's hot as fuck outside. So right now what I'm trying to do is just relax, relax, and then just just wait for it. And if I'm doing something important, just put that aside and and start working on the music. But yeah, that's basically how I deal with it day to day. Then then when I write something, I'm not saying I'm going to write a whole song in a night. When I write something, I, I take it to the guys and I show it to them. If they don't like it, we'll just like disregard it and and. And then just continue with the with the next stuff, but it usually it usually comes to a point where I have to share it to the band, and, and the four of them have to agree. If if one of them doesn't agree, it's not going to happen. Mm. So that's when it comes to time where you got to also think about the other people on your band when you're writing. 
I can see how that would help things, but also sometimes it's probably really hard. It is hard, yeah, because sometimes you want to just write about yourself, right? And it works, it works, but when I go back and 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 let's say that I write for myself some lines and, and I go back and I'll be like, no, I'll change this, I'll change that. Just because Pep is gonna like it, just because Alan's gonna like it. I mean, it's not it's not a thing that I'm complaining about. I'm really grateful about me being able to do this. And basically, if it wasn't for for the guys, or or even if one of them was missing, I don't think we would be doing this at this point. Yeah, it sounds um, like it's just another factor of your creative process. Yeah, exactly. Totally. It, like mm-hmm. everyone else's input is as important as our own, you know. Yeah, we. I, I think we we need it. I mean, because we we all work together individually. I mean, we're all great musicians and everything. But just like to have like an input of everyone else is just amazing. Because working with their with what they're saying and with what I'm doing is is just amazing. It's just a good creative process. I can see how it would also help if you have a song and it's not quite working in the way you want it to so you go back and you edit it and you can have someone's other opinion come in and help you put together things that you might not have gotten on your own so we actually we actually have a fifth member on the band yeah i don't know if they told you about that please explain (laughs) so he's he's the one that it's in charge of getting this together well you know him you know him actually uh mario Wait, so you mean Mario, your manager? Yeah, he's the fifth member. I love that. Okay, continue. Yeah. So that's that's when we we take that what you're saying to take some others people' point of view and go back and mold it the way the other band member thinks about the song because it's always I feel like it's always good to have someone outside the perspective of a public perspective to to get into your songs because sometimes when you're too deep into a a piece you, you can get lost and and you can go the, you, it's really easy to go the wrong way i feel like the more you overthink writing it's gonna get more hard it has to come to you naturally and, and then sometimes sometimes i do that mistake of even like most my majority of the time I overthink my lyrics and I overthink my melodies and I'm like, this is not, this is not cool. But I mean, as I feel like this is a natural instinct as a singer to, to be as per- perfectionist as, as you can, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're always trying to tread. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, you're always trying to impress the, your, your public in a way. Mm-hmm. And also it's like the deal breaker. Cause like we ever get like into this, uh, like I don't know, to a discussion or something, and he he would be like the one, like, okay, guys, this is this is how it's gonna be. This is, you know, Mario is the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I you love go. it. <laughs> <laughs> and we love him. I mean, he's a great guy, and he's like the kind of like the guy that we want to stay with us. He's as important as as each one of the musicians is. You know, mm-hmm. it's just as important. Yeah, I can really see how having. Well, because you guys have described Mario to me a couple different times as basically the dream fan that you would want to have of your band. So being able to have someone like that who can help give you feedback and 
help you figure out, okay, what's going to be a valuable show for us to play? How do we make it happen? And then Mario's like a big fan. Like, if he's your fan, like, you have no idea the dance he will go to. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a big fan of the 1975, and you have no idea, like, the many times he's went to see them live. And <laughs> He even texted me about their new album. Yeah, and then yeah. he has an iPhone that was signed by Maddie, the lead singer of 1975, and he has that, like, his holy grail in his bedroom. I love it. He's just, like, the guy that's, like, every every new interview, every new detail, every new song, every new music video like he sends it he sends it to us because i mean we're really big fans as, as a 19 uh, as mario with the 1975 but he's just like the number one fan and i can tell you this directly and i promise you that he's the number one fan. <laughs> yeah he could be also their fifth member maybe right <laughs> i can i can see him going going with them and leaving us <laughs> well i'd say right. strange cadets has a pretty good reason for mario to stick around yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> Yeah, no, he's he's a totally lovable guy and very focused in what he does, and he's just a great guy to have with us. Yeah, definitely the kind of person you want to have as and, your manager. And I, and I know he's gonna listen to this, so I want points for myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I don't edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. <laughs> One of the recurring themes I've heard as I started to learn more about what it means to choose a manager and how you know it's time to find one is they absolutely need to be a fan of your music. That belief in what you're creating and a desire to hear more of it is a powerful motivator. Money ebbs and flows, but if your manager believes in your music, that's one of the most important pieces of having a successful relationship with them. The money you pay your manager is just an exchange for the time and energy they're putting into helping you. On top of that, the audience you build for your music, and the fans you have in that audience, they're your customers. They are the people who are going to buy tickets to your shows when we can have social gatherings again. They're the people who buy your merch and support you on Patreon. And that right there is why having a manager who's also one of your biggest fans is such a valuable asset. They have insight into what your fans will care about and what they want to see more of. So as we've started talking more about the business side of things, what are some of the challenges that you guys have experienced as you make money to keep the band going? Mm, The only challenge right now to be honest, is just to create music. Right now, obviously, we can make any shows. For the financial side of things, like you said, um, everything gets divided four ways, even if it's investment or revenue. So everything gets divided uh, four equal ways. And even if right now we're trying to do, we're working on some new tunes, but I guess right now the challenge is just to overcome ourselves you know try to make it as fast that's the 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 thing that we did before uh, yeah i think i think as of now like we don't, we're not focusing much on like receiving money or like making money off of this as of the moment i think we're, we're most we're more focused like in our individual selves we'll, i mean i'm trying to work on myself so i can be like the best musician that i can and being the best person that i can with the guys during this crisis and this thing we're going through i mean it's just more important than ever to like be focused on what we're doing and 
concentrate on what we want to do, which is make music, you know. And uh, I think I think we you have to, I think you have to see it like like a business, and also as your passion. I mean, because you see all I mean all these bands and all these bands everywhere. I mean that's why they say that. I mean, if you're a musician, you will make it. I mean, it's because I think it's just the way you see it, you know? I mean, you have to see music as your true passion and as a business, and you have to think exactly as a business. Like, okay, how can I make this work? And how about marketing, about networking, everything? Yeah, I think that's been one of the hardest lines for me to balance personally. That's why we wanted to form a band. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it gets easier when you have help, more help than being a solo artist, I feel like. And also, you don't get the same feedback as a solo artist than having a band. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? You don't get the same freedom yeah. that that you want to do if you have a band. So every every single thing takes part. We have equal parts in opinion, you know, or in feedback or like I told you, financial disagreements and all that, everything is divided in four. And like Pepe said, we, we try to work our best to, to be the, the best persons that we can so we can handle each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. And honestly, oh, yeah. like, I have a lot of respect for the solo artists that make it because, I mean, being, I mean having other, other people's opinion, it's easier in a way because you have more help, you have more, more help in, with input and with opinions and with everything. But like, if I see like someone's being like a solo, I, I mean, I just say like, oh my god, I mean, they're they're brave, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that being able to view your music as both a passion and a business does that help you get the motivation or just remember that? You know, because we we all have day jobs, so being able to make sure that you invest some of that money back into the music, that's been something that's challenging for me personally. And so if you think about your music as a business, it becomes less about, oh, you know, should I spend the money on it? And more about, okay, this is important, so this chunk is going to go to music. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we, we all have our side jobs and everything, but at the end of the day, I mean, everything we make with our money. I mean, we invest in the music. You know? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're basically working towards that. That's one of the things that when they say that almost all bands don't make it, one big, big part's about that, about having that support of financial, you know, financial support. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have money to invest or to buy equipment, to do marketing, whatever, it's really hard to to get out there. Even nowadays, putting putting a show it, it requires a, a big investment. Even not being afraid to spend the money on it. For the show that we put on on, on August, I mean, it was it was quite expensive for us to put all the money together, and we had to pay people. We have to we had to pay for most of the things. And and at yeah. the end of the day, it's it's not about like Pepe said, making money. That venue, I remember. It was donated to the to the people that that were on the shooting here in El Paso. Oh, that was the August show. Yeah, that was the August show. Like all the okay. revenue, it was donated to them. And I mean, the goal 
it wasn't making money at all. It was just having the to sold out the venue, and and it was and it was sold out, and and we were we were really happy about it because we found that, like I told you, it's not. It's, we found that it's not about the money. It's 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 more about the the feel of achievement and. I don't know. How can you see that? How can you see um, us being not um, like, what would you be your perspective so that we just made that event to have people listening to our music? So I guess it was, it was more about marketing to really lift the band up, you know, on the local scene. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's, it's not about being local. It's just about, showing the people that there's still music here in El Paso because El, El Paso has a really poor music scene in the venue side of things. I'm not saying on the musician side of things. Mm. There's, there's really good musicians here in El Paso, really good. But it's not being supported by the city or the venue promoters. When we, um, I, I feel like I'm talking shit for my city, but it's it's a really important part to to get out there. Yeah, it's a valid problem. Yeah, it's a problem because people don't believe in musicians anymore. You know, people don't believe in music here in El Paso. And even if they do, at the end of the day, they rather have a touring band coming into your venue instead of a local band that it's coming up. Yeah. You know, and and it's a valid part because at the end of the day, as a venue, you need money. But that's part of the problem. Because if you have a venue, you also need to do it because of the music. I guess greediness takes over when you see a lot of money, especially in a city where there's not a lot of a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, you know? not really like the music scene here in El Paso because there's a lot of bands and a lot of musicians as we said that are really good and they don't have just the support that I mean they need. You know? Yeah. And that's why we took the decision of going to Austin primarily because over there, I mean, we've had a couple of shows and it just feels totally different. I mean, you can see that the people that go to the shows over there just go listen to you, you know? Yeah. And they just care more about the music and supporting the music and the and upcoming artists. And that's it's just a great feeling to know that you're surrounded by people that encourage you. And not just like fans and everything, but like everyone that lives in the city. I mean, supports the art, support, supports even like even like forest. I mean, like you, I mean, I was told that people do local and everything. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people people would say that. Why well, you don't play here in El Paso every weekend? I'm like, well, yeah. Would you go every weekend to our shows? They're like, no. I'm like, well, there's your answer. Yeah, that's, that's but, thing that we found for like about ourselves that playing playing. I mean, every weekend is just. It's a, it's a good habit and it's good for like practicing with audience and everything. But I mean, the way we see it is, I mean, you have to build like uh, oh, I'm trying to look for the word. I mean, you have to build like suspense and then for your fans, you know. Because of course, we had, we had, we could play like every weekend here in El Paso and we 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 could find venues and everything. But I mean, people get I mean discouraged to go to your shows. I mean, because for example, if Let's say we're gonna play this weekend and the next weekend as well. I mean, people are obviously gonna be like, "Oh no, why, why don't we go to this one? Let's just go to that one," you know. And as opposed 
to let's say we put a show like once every two months or once every three months. I mean, people are gonna be excited and they're gonna cancel their plans or make make plans to go to our shows. You know? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that was most helpful for me to learn as I started thinking about booking shows because it. Mm-hmm. I feel like people who don't recognize the value of building anticipation between shows if you don't say oh i've got a show almost every week they kind of look at you like if you're not playing that often then are you really that successful but yeah it's really being able to give people a reason to get off the couch turn <laughs> off the tv and, and that's, get that's, out and come to the that, show that's the thing about nowadays that people are too attached to social media that it comes with their props and and cons and and I guess one of the cons is it's just that people don't go to venues anymore to listen to music at least here in the city yeah I know that on Austin I mean it's a completely whole story but it does still happen especially yeah. if it's a smaller band I feel I feel like there's a lot of support from the city on Austin that allows to make this possible and allows to to the people be just able to go to a to a venue just to to see a new band you know yeah you're not gonna see this that happening here mm-hmm. just like like i think it was yesterday like today so i was watching a steve, steve ray vaughn interview and they were asking him like how what why he loved austin and he was just like, everyone moved to Austin because in Austin you can play what you want and people will hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt that like, like, you know, like I got goosebumps because, I mean, that's true, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm very excited for the four of you, five of you, <laughs> to get to Austin. And yeah, yeah, we're excited too. Hopefully we have a more inspiration over there to make, to make more music. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I don't doubt there'll be plenty of inspiration and hopefully when all this corona business calms down people will be so glad to get out of the house that <laughs> they'll yeah. come to shows more often what do you what do you think do you think uh we're gonna we're gonna get any shows this year throughout the states uh, i think that austin has a lot of outdoor friendly venues and i can see that opening up first okay so i think probably late summer early fall we'll start seeing some outdoor shows because i mean at this point they have restaurants already opening up and if it's a restaurant with outdoor seating then any potential particles in the air aren't trapped i mean i don't know enough about the science of this to like (laughs) say definitively but from what i've heard if you're not in a room that's like 250 square feet it's less it's safer risky it's much safer and so if you're outside you know a restaurant or a venue they can either set up sort of rows of like standing room or they can set out picnic tables and space things out Restaurants already have a lot of sanitary requirements that they have to meet. So mm-hmm. I'm confident that if people are willing to go eat at a restaurant and sit outside. I, I don't know where it was. Set up a stage, get a band out there. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember where, where I saw that. They might, 
do like driving shows like with your car honestly i would be so down for that imagine like i mean it, it would be weird but i mean cool to try out you know i mean if i had a pickup truck i would be set <laughs> <laughs> But I don't. <laughs> But I would still go to a drive-in show. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's just we. No one. I think. I think no one's certain. Like, what will happen? Just I, I. I'm. I'm a news freak lately. Like, I've been just, and I think it's bad for my mental health. I mean, because I, every morning I wake up, I just look at the news and see what's like been going on lately. Yeah, you gotta like ration yourself on that. <laughs> no, I gotta stop. I gotta cut my wiper off or something. Gotta know. And uh, I was reading that like shows might be canceled in, in California until 2022. And I was just Man. like, what? I mean, what the hell? I mean, what? <laughs> I was just like, you know? But I think it's just like, I don't know, like the news can be weird sometimes because you don't know if, you, I mean, that they might just be putting fear into our minds just for us to like, keep on reading the news, you know? Yeah. So, you don't know what's true, what's not true. You don't know what's going to happen. We, I think everything's uncertain and we just hope that it's in a good path for music, you know? Mm -hmm. I think definitely one of the things that has come out of this for me is, I guess just like the simplest way to put it is empathy for how other people around me are freaked out. Like I'm not personally freaked out about getting sick, but I don't want to get anyone I care about sick that, you know, I'd be spending time with. So yeah. I think if we can as a population, get creative about ways to come together in a way that's safe because we are social animals. We do need interaction. So, you know, I could see something like a drive-in concert where maybe you have designated parking spots. If you really want to get extra cautious about it, the bands usually have their own gear, you know, find a way to keep it as clean and safe as possible Maybe it's just one band in a lineup because you want to keep things spaced out and have proper time to clean or whatever. But, you know, if we're all wearing masks or far enough apart in our vehicles, either sitting on like the trunk of the car or the hood or in the back of a pickup truck, like whatever you do and sit outside and enjoy music, I think that's really something I'd love to see. And that's the thing about us humans that we adapt to what we have, you know? Right. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's all temporary, you know? I mean, it's all, it's it's part of it. And I think it's just about us waiting and be patient for for life to come back again, you know? And we have to take the, the precautions we have to, and we have to adapt in the ways that we have to, but it's all for the better. And at the end of the day, I mean, of course, I think that music, I mean, live music will be better than before, you know? Absolutely. I mean, like, imagine when they open up again, like the festivals and everything. I mean, <laughs> people are gonna go nuts. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just gonna be. Awesome. I, I I can't wait for that day to come by. Hopefully, yeah. we're in a spot where we can be more involved in like festivals, and hopefully, our music will be more listened to. And I don't know. I, I think uh, that's our main goal for the whole pandemic, just for us to work the more that we can. Yeah. And to end this off in a good way. Well, I don't doubt that y'all will continue to build an audience. And uh, speaking of which, where is the best place for people to find you and your music online? Spotify, Apple Music. Um, what else? 
we have a couple of videos on YouTube too. Um, yeah, the, that's basically it. I don't think anyone uses Amazon Music, even though we're there. <laughs> you know, even though we're there. So uh, yeah, I think it's just Spotify or Apple Music. Go stream it, and then also uh, we have live videos from Clubhouse on Clubhouse Austin on YouTube, and also the sessions from Tree the the, the Treehouse Austin sessions. Right. So yeah. just go look up strange cadets and yeah it will pop out Mm -hmm. awesome well thank you so much for talking to me it was so much fun to get to hear more of your individual stories i really appreciate it thanks so much appreciate it having us (laughs) my pleasure please check the show notes for links to find strange cadets music social media and all that fun stuff and one last thing before you go today There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. What are the habits that you've developed that make you a better artist? And what can you do to support yourself more? Do some of your current routines need to be adjusted so you can level up? Is there something missing? Maybe it's time to find a new habit to add to your toolbox so you can become an even stronger creator. I believe in you. Go get them.